This week is all about complaining. How many of you know someone who complains a lot? (laughs) Everyone look to your neighbor and say, no complaining now. No complaining. Now, the whole idea behind this, listen up. Bring it back, okay? This night is all going to be on... The Israelites, and specifically the complaining of the Israelites. If you don't know the story, it's in Numbers. And Josh, if you want to get it ready, Numbers 14, 21 through 24, if you got your Bibles. I know some of you do. In Numbers, it's the fourth book of the Bible, right? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Um, so this whole premise is all about as if Moses himself was saying, now listen, take it from me, if you complain, it's only going to bring pain. And the Israelites learned that the hard way. They complained a lot. And it ended up costing them greatly. In fact, an entire generation ended up dying in a wilderness because of it. Which is really sad, right? And you might think, well, really? Like, All because they complained? Well, they did more than just that. But it was a big part of it. So let this be a lesson that God takes our complaints seriously. When we complain all the time, and he tells us not to do that, he takes it seriously. It's not something that when, when we complain, it's like it's just falling on deaf ears. Okay, For one, God hears it. He did hear their complaints, and a lot of the time, he actually ended up giving them what they were complaining about. He's like, okay, well, if if you're complaining so much about this, well, then I'll give you what you're asking for. And in fact, that's what he ended up doing in the end with them dying in the wilderness. They literally said, we would be better off just dying here. He's like, okay, fine. That's what you want. I'll give it to you. (laughs) So be careful what you wish for. (laughs) But Moses, take it from me. Chapter 14, 21 through 24. And I've got the ESV translation for this passage. Numbers 14, 21 through 24. If you complain, it will only bring you pain. God is not swayed by our complaints. I don't know if you knew that. He's not swayed by your complaining. It's not like if you complain enough, then God's will is going to bend to yours. Yeah, I mean, there are a couple instances in Scripture where he's like, okay, fine, if you, don't, if you can't talk, he did that with Moses. Which, no surprise that Moses himself complained about doing what God wanted, and then all the people he led out of Israel ended up complaining and dying because of it. <laughs> but let that be a lesson to us, right? He's moved by our faith. That's really what motivates God when he sees your faith. When he sees it, he sees your belief. It heals people. It does incredible things. Jesus himself said multiple times, your faith has made you well. Go, your faith has saved you. Go, and he he says their faith is significant. It makes a big difference. 
you think you can have faith and complain at the same time? <laughs> I don't think you can. We'll get to that in a little bit. The people of Israel, they didn't have faith in God. And you can see it by their grumbling and complaining constantly. So pull this passage up there, Josh. Numbers 14. Can I get some, somebody to come up here and read it? Anna, do you have the, the mic still? Oh, you do. Yeah. Come on, Jada. I think you guys did a great job last week reading these. So I've got it right here. Go ahead and read that. The part in yellow there. All right, go ahead. Okay, well, I don't like the mic. <laughs> like I said last week, good. <laughs> okay. But truly as I live and as all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord, none of the men who have seen my glory and my signs that I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and yet have put me to the test these ten times and have not obeyed my voice shall see the land that I swore to give to their fathers, and none of those who despise me shall see it. But my servant Caleb... Because he has a different spirit and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land into which he went, and his descendants shall possess it. Woohoo! Nice work. <laughs> so, to give you a little premise of this, God is, has miraculously brought the people of Israel out of Egypt. There's ten plagues that happen, and I'm sure some of you have heard of that, right? There's ten plagues that God brings upon Egypt because of Pharaoh's stubbornness, his hardness of heart. He won't listen. He won't let the people of God go and leave Egypt into the land that God has promised to them. So he leads them out miraculously, and there's incredible things that happen along the way. Who here has heard about the parting of the Red Sea? Raise your hand. Moses reaches out his staff. The Red Sea splits. There's water on both sides of the people of Israel able to walk through on dry land. I mean, that itself is a miracle. How many of you, if you were to remove a bunch of snow in the springtime from land, is the ground under it dry? No. So how much more so with an entire sea would it not, be, would it not happen, right? So they walk through on dry land. Through the Red Sea, water on both sides of them. And then right behind them, as they get to the other side, the Egyptians charge after them. And once they're out, Moses, all right. And they're all, the, they're all washed away in the sea, in the Red Sea. It comes down on them. There's just incredible thing after incredible thing that God does for them. There's this pillar of a cloud that they follow to bring exactly where they're supposed to go. They didn't need GPS. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. There's a pillar of fire by night that's able to guide them so that they can travel during the daytime and at nighttime. And that itself is a miracle that they were even able to do that with like a million people, and they weren't completely exhausted and fall over dead in the wilderness. How many of you would be able to travel on foot day and night for days? Never stopping. That's pretty amazing. Yes, Tegan. <laughs> Scientists say that after three days of not sleeping, you start to have 
and insanity sink in, and then you start to hallucinate. <laughs> that didn't happen, okay? So here's, here's a little picture of what they were guilty of. If you remember listening to Jada read the scripture, it says, these ten times they tested me. Now, are you curious what those ten times are? I know I was when I was looking at this. I'm like, I know I've heard that. I know I've seen it before. I need a little reminder. What are the ten times that they complained? And the irony is there were ten plagues that were done to save them, and then there were ten ten testings that they gave God that thrust them back into the wilderness. So number one is lacking of faith before crossing the Red Sea. Once they get to the Red Sea, it's an incredible thing that happens, right? Moses splits the Red Sea. They walk right through it. But did you know that they were complaining about it before they got there? (laughs) They get to the Red Sea. The Egyptians are behind them in chariots, horses, the, the entire army of pharaohs right there, right behind them. And they look at Moses and they're like, did you bring us here to die? Did God just bring us here so that we would be slaughtered by the Egyptians? Instead of saying, okay, Moses, what's next? (laughs) They say, how dare you? (laughs) This is your fault. We're stuck in this rock in a hard place. The next complaint they have is over bitter water. God gives them water miraculously, and then the water ends up being bitter, so they can't really drink it. And then they complain, saying, what, are you going to just have us die here too? They're just incredibly dramatic. <laughs> Here's the third complaint they had was in the desert. They're complaining in the desert, like, oh, we have no food, we have no water. Aren't you going to do something? Like, we're dying here. God just brought us here. We'd be better in Egypt. Remind you, they were in slavery for 400 years, bitter slavery. I mean, they were horrible to them. Next complaint they had was over the lack of water at Rephidim. This is the place that was on the way to the promised land. And then there's another complaint. And then they complained over the lack of food. And then once they finally get to the promised land, they see this incredible land that God's promised to them. It's yours. All you have to do is go in there and fight for it. And I will fight with you and fight for you. You go in there, it's yours, I'm giving it to you. And they get there, and they just complain again. (laughs) They walked all the way through the desert, and it's like, yes, we're finally at the promise. Zeke? Brandon? Where's my money, John? I don't understand. (laughs) Okay. So the Israelites, they're complaining at the promised land. They get there and they're like, man, it's everything God told us. Except there's one little detail he didn't tell us. That there's these crazy giants there that are going to squash us like a bunch of grasshoppers. And that's what we are, is a bunch of grasshoppers. Yes, Benjamin. Not 100 years. So, yes. Oh, check, check. Oh, I think my, my mic moved. So they go and they complain. 
after Moses smacks a rock and water comes out of it, after God miraculously gives them this food that, they, that sustains them every single day called manna, and it tastes like honey wafers. I'm convinced it tastes like the honey buns by Little Debbie. <laughs> Delicious. <laughs> but they complain about this thing. There's just one thing after another they just seem to be so unsatisfied with. And unsatisfied with God's miraculous provision for them. That once they get there, it's the final time. God's like, all right, that's it. You're not going in there anymore. They say we would be better off dying in the wilderness. So God says, fine, I'll give you what you're asking for. (laughs) Every one of you, 20 and older, is going to die in the wilderness, and your children will take the land instead. That's what ends up happening. Seven of the ten ways that they put God to the test were by complaining. Seven of the ten. God takes it very, very seriously. And the other two, or the other three, I should say, there's two of them that were through a lack of obedience. Actually, there's three of them. So three were through a lack of obedience, and all were due to a lack of trust in God. Because can you disobey somebody and say that you trust them? You think you'd be able to do that? I wouldn't think so. I, I say that with my own kids. Like They, they disobey me, and I'm like, you just got to trust me. You just trust that I know the world a little bit better than your four-year-old mind. <laughs> but there's things that God tells us, and then we get frustrated about it. We're like, no, I don't want to do that. He's like, well, it's what I'm asking you to do. And we fight him. We get stubborn with him. We complain about the methods of which, how he's leading us and guiding us. I don't want to wake up early, God. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. I don't want to go on that mission trip. I don't want to, you name it. And we complain, and then God goes, well, I thought you were wanting to show that you trust me. I'm giving you an opportunity now. (laughs) And this is exactly what the Israelites were guilty of. Ten times, God pulled through for them in a way nobody else could, nobody else would. And they complained, they griped, they whined, they bickered. It was constant. You cannot complain, live in obedience to God, and say that you trust him. Your faith and trust in God is seen by your works. It's seen by what you do with what God tells you. And that could be keeping your mouth shut when you want to complain. (laughs) That can be doing what he asks when you don't want to. You say, God, I trust you. I trust that you're right. I trust that you know what's best for me, and I'm going to choose to do it anyways, even though this isn't the method that I would choose. (laughs) For whatever reason, you want me to do this, and that's enough. Here's how Paul puts it in Philippians. While he was in jail, mind you, for obeying God. In Philippians, we got chapter 2. Is there anyone that wants to read this? All right, Shay, come on up here. You read this first one. This one right here. Okay. This is New Living Translation, by the way. It does not say the same thing. There's, there's a little bit more to it. 
So it says, work hard on the third line. Yep. Okay. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence Reverence. and and fear for God (laughs) is working in you, you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Amen. Let's give her a hand. You guys see that? Work hard to what? Work hard to show the results of your salvation by obeying. Obeying God with what? Deep reverence and fear. The word reverence is there to distinguish between a terror kind of fear and a reverential kind of fear of, I'm not going to break the law. There's a police officer right there, (laughs) and he's going to bring the hammer down on me if I do something that I shouldn't, right? You guys have... You should have a healthy sense of fear of authority in reverence kind of fear because it keeps you from not doing things that you shouldn't do. Like you shouldn't be misbehaving in school, which is why there's teachers there and people to enforce the rules, hopefully. (laughs) And hopefully they will. But this is really, really key. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you. Look at your neighbor and say, God's working in you. Now the next two verses, I want to read these two, okay? Philippians 2, verse 14 and 15. It's the next two verses, okay? It says, do everything without complaining and arguing. Let's read that part. And arguing. One, two, three. Do everything without complaining and arguing. All right, all right, you can stop there. Stop there, stop there. (laughs) How many of you think that's easy to do? (laughs) No. It's difficult. How many of you have complained today? Raise your hand if you've complained today. (laughs) How many of you have complained since you've been here at the church? (laughs) Uh-huh, yeah, there's a few of you. <laughs> yeah, the Pepsi, <laughs> the Pepsi situation. I do everything without complaining and arguing. So I'll read, I'll read on. Listen up, listen up. It says, so that no one can criticize you. Do you guys like being criticized? Here's a really important way that you can have people not criticize you all the time. Hey. Listen up. If you guys don't want somebody criticizing you, this right here says that it'll stop it. At least somewhat. And if you want that in your life, start doing it. Start shutting your trap when you want to let it run. And start complaining about everything. Teacher asks you guys to do something in, in the classroom and you don't want that. Do you want your teacher criticizing you? Well, that's a little bit tougher for you, I'll be honest. (laughs) Not complaining. Your teacher's around you all the time. (laughs) So that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse 
people. That phrase, crooked and perverse people, it is actually something that the Israelites would understand because it's literally what Moses called the generation that died in the wilderness when it was in Deuteronomy. You can go read it for yourself. I think it's Deuteronomy 32, verse 5. It says that they were a crooked and perverse generation. Wicked. He's calling their parents that. That's pretty bold, right? He's looking at all of the children of these people and saying, you're the generation that died in the wilderness. Your parents were all wicked, perverse, and twisted. I don't know about you, but I don't want that to be said about me. And it sounds like a really important key piece would be keeping my mouth shut when I want to complain, to have that not be the case. You cannot shine in this world if the Lord, for the Lord if you are complaining all the time. You can't. Jesus said, shine your what? He says, shine your light before, before all men, all people. Depends on the translation you look at. <laughs> Doesn't mean don't shine it to women, okay? <laughs> yes, shine bright like a diamond. Whatever. <laughs> you need to shine your light. This is the way that you shine it. Is by doing everything without complaining and arguing. Your parents ask you to do something. What's your first response? <laughs> Let me finish my game first. Huh? Get off your phone. You've been on it all day. But, but I, just, I just want to send this. <laughs> Give me your phone. <laughs> you guys know your problem area. <laughs> you know the areas that you complain. <laughs> I don't need to talk about them. I will talk about them. <laughs> but I don't have to. Do everything without grumbling and complaining. Complaining and arguing. There's some Christians that complain more than the people in the world. <laughs> and that is not how it's supposed to be. <laughs> right? I mean, I even think there's a lot of Christians that just constantly complain about the world. I never saw Paul complaining about the world all the time. When I read scripture, I don't see Paul just running his mouth like, oh, gosh, these Gentiles just suck. <laughs> All these Romans just, they're the worst. <laughs> oh, in fact, if anything, he was correcting Christians more than, <laughs> than people that weren't, right? You cannot shine in this world for the Lord if you are complaining all the time. It has a way of dulling your light. It, it's, it has a way of, people just see you're complaining. And then they think, wait, I thought your God was awesome. Why are you complaining all the time? If he was so great, wouldn't you be saying good things? If he was so great, wouldn't you be talking awesome about him and about what he's done for you? Because that's what you see in Scripture. You see people that trust God so much, they love him so much, they just praise him. They rejoice in everything that God's done for them. They thank him for all that they have and don't complain for, about what they don't have. They may make requests to him, but not say, 
oh, man, my house is just the worst. Why did you give me this house, God? Why did you give me this family? This family's terrible. Maybe you're in it to make a difference. See, Paul went around making a difference in the world that he was in. And he did it by not complaining, but praising. He praised God. He praised God so much that while he was in jail, the jail cell flung open. Not just for him, but all the cellmates too. And the other cells next to him. And there was a Roman soldier in there that was about to kill himself because he's like, I know if they get out on my watch, I'm dead. (laughs) And I don't want it to be a public spectacle to all these people that they got out on my watch, so I'm just going to let myself be killed. And then maybe they'll think that one of the prisoners did it. But incredibly, Paul says, don't lay a finger on yourself. Do not harm yourself. We're all here. And the guy ends up giving his life to Jesus. That's crazy, right? He gives his life to the Lord right there in the middle of a jail cell. If Paul was in this prison cell complaining about his condition, that never would have happened. That moment never would have happened. Jada, Jay. It's amazing how much less you find yourself complaining when you have a deep reverence for the Lord, like Paul had. He had a healthy understanding of what God was capable of doing. Hey, all right, one of you sit up front. (laughs) There's too much caffeine in that Pepsi. (laughs) Yeah, I did. Yeah, they're, they're located. All right, listen up. Part of showing the results of your salvation is by the way that you talk. It's by the way that you live your life. It's the way that you walk around people. You're somebody that's walking and complaining all the time? Shay, Jada, hands off. <laughs> Thank you. Are you constantly complaining? Or are you filled with faith, trust, and thankfulness with what God's done for you? Because that's what's going to make a difference in the world. That's where people are going to be able to see your light and go, wow, that person's different. And here's the thing. It also is going to get God's attention. Because what ended up happening with the Israelites? Yeah, God said, all of you but who? There was Caleb and there was Joshua. He said, Caleb has a different spirit. I want to be known as having a different spirit from the generation I live in. I want to be known as having a different spirit than the people that I'm around. In a good way, okay? I want it to be something that marks me as different than the rest of my generation. Where they look at me and go, yeah, I I complain about all the people that are your age, but not you. You're different. You don't do what the others do. You don't behave the way that they do. I want to hear stories about your teachers saying, man, those, those students you have at your youth group, they're not like the rest of my students. They actually respect me. They actually listen and do what I say. 
they actually do their homework. <laughs> I want to hear stories from your parents saying, I don't know what it is, but they're not who they used to be. <laughs> they actually do the chores I tell them to without me even, I don't even have to tell them anymore. They just do them. <laughs> Part of showing the results of your salvation is by the way that you talk, it's by the way that you walk, it's the way you live. Paul gives a sobering reminder to believers of the complaining Israelites. In 1 Corinthians 10, and I'm almost done here, 10, 10 through 11, it says, And don't grumble as some of them did. And then were destroyed by the angel of death. <laughs> That's intense, right? If you guys don't have a bit of a th- fear of the Lord with complaining yet, you should. Grumbling as some of them did, and then were destroyed. These things happened to them as examples for who? Us. As examples for us. They were written down to warn us who live at the end of the age. If you didn't know this, you're at the end of the age. Jesus is coming back. Do you want him to catch you whining and complaining? I know I don't. I want him to show up and he's like, that's not the things I told you to say. (laughs) I told you to be talking about my gospel, the good news, that I came to save people from their sins and I'm coming back. And now I'm here. Did you tell anybody? (laughs) Did you make a difference in your school? Did you make a difference at your job? Did you make a difference in your family? Do you have a different spirit like Caleb did? Or is it just like the rest of us? This should be something that catches our attention, right? They were written down to warn us who live at the end of the age. It should be something that changes how we live. Changes how we talk. It changes how we interact with people. It should change the way we respond when we're unjustly treated. Because Paul, Paul was one person, and so was Jesus. He, he just lived the example Jesus did. When he was criticized for the way that he was living, which was in obedience to God, he never complained about what was happening to him. He just said, well, I'm just, I'm just going to go wherever God tells me to, say what he wants me to, and then if he wants to bail me out, he will. <laughs> If he wants to use me to speak in front of a whole bunch of people about Jesus on trial, then so be that too. I'll do that. This is something that should warn us how we live our lives. All right, let's stand up. I want us to all read this next verse together. I encourage you guys to memorize this one. And in fact, if you do memorize it, And show me next week that you did memorize it. I'm going to get you a candy bar. (laughs) Full-size candy bar that you guys can pick up, okay? Full-size. And ain't the fun-size stuff, right? Fun-size isn't fun. That's lame, right? I always thought that. When I saw fun-size, I'm like, what's fun about tiny? (laughs) Lame. Anyways, all right. I want you guys to memorize this. I encourage you guys to memorize it. This is how we're supposed to live our life. Psalm 28, 
verse 7. You can pick whatever translation you want. If you want to do the Hawaiian pigeon Bible, go right ahead. (laughs) Just watch. Now he's going to try to do it. (laughs) I might be asking for it. All right, let's read it together on three. One, two, three. The Lord is my strength and shield. I trust him with all my heart. He helps me and my heart is filled with joy. I burst out in songs of thanksgiving. Awesome. Do you guys do that? Yes. Bring him back, Awanas. The memorization. That's right. <laughs> they didn't give you full-size candy bars. They gave you a wanna bucks, probably, right? Yeah. All right. I challenge you guys to memorize this, but when you memorize it, think about it. Live it out. Are you somebody who trusts the Lord as your strength and your shield? Do you? We sang tonight about this song, Jesus, I trust you. I trust you. Do you? Do you trust that God is never going to fail you? That he's your shield? That he is going to watch over you? Do you trust him with all your heart? Or are there certain areas inside of you where you're like, man, I thought I trusted him here, but now I don't know so much. (laughs) Do you believe that he helps you? And then your heart is filled with joy. Because if you think about the ways that he's helped you, if you recount the good things he's done for you, it should bring a sense of joy in your heart. Instead of constantly thinking about the things that he hasn't done for you yet, that maybe you've made requests, or maybe you've complained. (laughs) God, why haven't you done this yet? I'm waiting for you. God, you're so slow. (laughs) Well, he might just... Push the brakes on a little bit more if you say that. (laughs) So I'm going to pray, and then we'll get in groups. Leaders can come up as I'm praying. God, we thank you for, God, we just thank you for the examples in Scripture to learn from. As Paul was saying, that this example is there for us to learn from, to have a healthy understanding of what complaining looks like and what it results in. God, I pray that we would learn to be people that have praise and thanksgiving on our lips, not complaining. That we would choose to be thankful for the things that we have. Choose to be thankful for the things that you've done for us. That we would trust in you, that remembering you are the one who saves us. And that when we were seemingly unsavable, you found a way. You made a way when it seemed like there never was one. Lord, help us to be honest about our hearts and where they are with complaining and allow you to do some heart surgery to keep us from getting to a place where the Israelites got to. In Jesus' name, amen. All right.